Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the New Evangelicals podcast. My name is Noah, I'm the podcast producer, and I'm really, really excited to share this episode with you this week. This is a conversation that Tim had with Dante Stewart. Dante Stewart is a theologian, a pastor, and the author of the new book, Shouting in the Fire, an American Epistle. I've been following Dante's work on Instagram for a while now, and it's had a really significant impact on my own thought process over about the past year. And... I was super excited to hear that this interview was happening, and listening back to this, it makes me so excited to pick up a copy of his book and to learn more. If you listen to our episode last week with Adam Clark about the theology of James Cone, this is really the perfect sequel episode to that conversation. The dialogue here with Dante really picks up right where Adam left off and continues the discussion of the incredible relevance of black liberation theology to these conversations we're having today about what it means to push the church forward. If you like the work that the New Evangelicals is doing, a really easy way you can support us is to leave a review of this podcast in whatever platform you're listening to it in. Also, if you're interested in supporting us financially, there's some more details in the show notes for what that could look like for you. All the work that the New Evangelicals does is free and accessible to everyone, so there's no paywall, there's no subscription fees if you want more content. All of our Zoom discussion groups, our book clubs, our podcasts, everything we make is free, and that continues to be possible week to week through the support of the New Evangelicals community. But that's really all I have for you this week. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm really excited for you to hear this interview, and I'll talk to you again next week. Well, um, Dante Stewart, this has been a long time coming for me. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for making time. I, I really appreciate it. So thank you. Oh, no doubt, bro. So good to be with you. I discovered you via Instagram, um, via you sharing your tweets. And I'm just like, wow, like this stuff is really good. And then I kind of followed your journey online of, of you writing a book and it coming out. And I got a copy of the book and I'm reading the book. And I'm like, okay, I got to get Dante on. Um, so I just want to say publicly that that your tweets and your perspectives have sincerely shaped how much I've changed my views on just mm whiteness and and the black community and just the accountability that is lacking in the circles that I grew up in. So I just want to say that. Thank you for what you write, because it must be tough, but it does impact people. And I am one of those people. So thank you. Oh, man. Thank you, bro. I appreciate it. For real, though. And you, we just we just never know because we just never know how, how what we're doing, what is what is what is doing for other people. We kind of we kind of do it because we love it. We do it because it's necessary. So it's really good to hear that. So thank you. Yeah, no, for sure. And I also want to say you're a drummer, correct? Yeah. So am yeah, I. I'm a drummer. Oh, for real? I play professionally still. Oh, for real? You do? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I play. I live in New Jersey. And okay. so we have a, a very robust uh, Jersey Shore cover band scene. So I get paid to play top 40 stuff in casinos and bars and hotels. And that's Dang. what I do. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Tell me what, what, what's been some of the songs that's just like hitting for you that like, like it's just always a fun song for you to play. Just it's all out. <laughs> I mean, it, it's fun as far as like just mute from musicality standpoint, yeah. but it's also fun in the sense that it kind of gives you space as a drummer to like, if you play this joint one time, like you got space where you can be like, okay, 
I might do something different in this yeah. space next time. And yes. it's just a fun song to play. What is, All what right. is that for you? So you're, you might laugh at me, but it's true. I think as a drummer, you'll understand. We do like um, like like a boy band 90s medley of like Backstreet Boys, Spice Girls, and NSYNC. And we mm. end on mm. uh, on that Bye 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 song by NSYNC. And that, mm. that BPM is just perfect enough where you can get some of those gospel chops really moving and have a ton mm. of fun with them. So for me, mm. those, those pop songs like that are a blast because they're yeah. so open, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, honey. Yeah, you can just throw in the, you can just throw in those little those little like things that that a normal person wouldn't recognize, but a drummer would go, "What? Oh, I heard that." Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's what's up. I was actually playing the other day, bro. Like, like I don't play the drums much anymore, right? Just because I'm in ministry and things like that. And where I'm at, I'm at Tabernacle Baptist Church, and our band is just like, is is the, our band is just absolutely incredible. Um, mm. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, just I, all three, all three drummers. So we have three drummers and they kind of rotate um together. And they're they're all great people because you know the music world can you can be talented and gifted. Now this is just a general principle in life that yeah, you know, just because you're good and talented doesn't mean like you're a nice person or That's right. a healthy human being. Right. You know, but they literally all three of them, Gold, Ramon. Uh, and, um, and Akeem, like all three of them are just absolutely incredible people, but I mean, absolutely incredible drummers and all three of them play professionally. All three of them. Well, um, that, people yeah. don't recognize that like Aaron Spears, right? Tony Royster mm -hmm. Jr. Those cats got mm -hmm. their start in the, in the black church. That's where oh, so many of these amazing drummers that we 100%. see today, because honestly, you know, listen, I grew up in, in white CCM spaces playing Bethel and yeah. Hillsong and yeah. that's fine. Oh, yeah. You know, it has its own thing, but gospel. No, yeah, it ain't got it like that. Nah, no, it ain't got it. It ain't got it like that, bro. It ain't got the it. Like that's you can, right. you can take, Bro, I swear when I was in white churches, this is what I found. Cause I was still playing drums. I went to white churches and mm. it was just like terrible for my creativity. Like <laughs> it was just, it just, the music, there was no such thing as the music scene. So like totally. the, the, totally. the name music scene come from us. Like it's our term, like the music scene, there's no music scene, but like in black spaces, like where I come from and, 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 mo and I would even say this, like most of those drummers are Pentecostal. Uh, yes. they, they were raised in Pentecostal. It was either raised apostolic. There was raised Kojic. See this stuff right here get me like, like this is this this is why I like I love talking about stuff like this. I got you. Um, but a lot of them was like raised uh, apostolic and Kojic, and you know you could take us, you could take us, and you can give us bluegrass. You can you can set us down, and you can give us bluegrass all the way to Gaga. You know, and yeah, we yeah. can translate into that you give us you know and then some of us you know and uh, uh some of us can actually like read music and and no theory some people went to new school some people went yep. to berkeley some people yep. went to music programs and they know like theory like all of that like and then already are incredible musicians as they approach the music totally but like when you like raise like in like like it's just not as common in those in white spaces I i'm sure there are some like great white drummers who just got that it just like you know, it's just like if you raise, if you like, like many of the white dudes that I grew up with, you know, if you raise around us and you playing ball all your life, like you eventually going to get good, bro. Like you going to be good. But it's like for us culturally, like there is something about the it of what we do. Like, yeah. and I've been writing about this lately and thinking about it, like mm -hmm. how we take the ordinary and turn it black. Like, mm. like we can take Beethoven, bro, and turn Beethoven into something 
astronomical. We could take uh, Hillsong. Like, this is why people, dog, this is why people love Maverick City music. Totally. They don't, they don't yes. love Maverick City music because no white folk. They love Maverick City music because what we did to them. That's like, right. That's right. That's just facts. Like, it's just facts. You know, but then also you got to account for like Vinny Caliuda. No, no, oh, Vinny. All right, all right. That, that's hey, a deep cut name. Hey, hey, bro. Yes. Like Vinny. Yeah. Vinny. But then, but then, but then, like, you got to think, like, 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 uh, Dave Welko and Vinny, they roll with us. Yeah. Oh. You know, they, they may be played with other people, but like a lot of them, like, 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 roll with us. Like, yeah. you know, and, and that's why we learned about Vinny Caliuda because mm. Vinny was, you ain't gonna learn about no white folk in black folk spaces without them actually being nice uh -huh. and good people and around uh -huh. us. Like you ain't gonna, they ain't gonna, you ain't gonna learn their name. Like, like, like what? Like Betty White. Like yes, Dolly, yes. Dolly yeah. Parton. Yeah, yeah. We ain't want, we ain't, we ain't saying no damn. Oh, I was about to curse. We ain't saying you, no dog on. Uh, you can curse. Oh, okay. You're allowed. You're allowed to say okay, it. Good. It's fine. Yeah, like we ain't learning about those. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just having fun, but yeah, bro. Like, <laughs> Yeah, uh, no, but dude, you uh, you are yeah. completely correct. And you know, it's interesting because one of the best compliments I ever got, you'll appreciate this story. I, I live in, like I said, New Jersey. We, I was playing in, in our in our city capital, Trenton, at, 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 a, at a black church. And I'm just this white drummer playing um, some Israel Hooten, you know, and I, I'm oh, really yeah, nervous yeah. because I know in these spaces, yeah, like these money. drummers can shed. They can shed, yeah, right? Money. So I do my thing. And, and they're the going to clown you too. If you, oh. if you they're going to they clown you. For sure. So at the yeah. end of the that this the music director comes over to me and he goes just so you know you're an excellent drummer and i said do you know i yeah oh oh my god like oh, are you yeah. I, I mean i was I, yeah. it was the best compliment i ever got oh, in my life yeah. you know like i yeah. got i got the stamp because you are so yeah. correct on a drummer level those cats those that that culture produces some of the best drumming period and the most complex and they how they flow and, and just even even the, the spontaneity and changing up the groove you know so it, it yeah. is such a Man, yeah, people don't nah, understand. And we could be here forever, but yeah, not nah, for real. But on the real, bro, like, like that's how I think about writing now, though. So, like, mm, so me. much of how I think about writing and 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 life is what I experienced through drumming and football. So, like, hmm. I hit um my boy Kiese, you know, and Disha and Robert Jones Jr. and 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 others, you know, Jason. Them, like, I tell them, like, yo, like, really, you know, when when I think about whatever I write. Like what I really want in, in that is like, like y'all see me and y'all be like, yo, I see what you're doing and you like us. Mm. Like, and like, I see what you're doing. Like now, now this, this actually could be a metaphor for like whiteness and assimilation too, though. Yeah. Cause like when we say when, when, when that, when, when you're in that space and it says, I see you like us, you're like us. Oftentimes you're distancing yourself from yourself and becoming like this space that just want to exploit you and benefit from you. Mm. But when we say, I see you, you like us, you don't become less of yourself. Mm. You're actually becoming more of yourself. And you're seeing that what you're doing is a part of us. It's a part mm. of what we feel. It's a part of that spirit. It's a part of that ethos. It's a part of that soul, you know? So like for me as a writer, whether I'm writing essays or even when I was writing Shout in the Fire, mm. it was like that. It was like the ins insecurity of playing the drums. Yeah. It's like, okay, I done practice, like, <laughs> but it's time to shine. So like, I'm insecure. Yeah. I feel afraid. I might even be tight. I mm. might play tight. But then like, bro, like when you hear that first one, dog, 
when you go to that next song, bro, and you can play loose yeah, after yeah. that, after that affirmation, yeah. or you go again and again and again, and you keep playing and you can play loose, you know, and things like that. And you feel like, dang, bro, that, that five stroke roll, if I'm talking yeah. in that language, Let's go. Like that five stroke roll, you know, actually landed or that paradiddle yes. actually landed, yeah. you know, and okay, I can actually put it right there without my left hand dying. Yeah. You know, because I'm so nervous. Yeah. You know, yep. so like, like, like as a writer, I think about that. I think about writing as that as well. So it's like me as a writer, as an individual, I practice writing. So I want to mm. work on my crafts. I want to work on my rudiments, mm. you know, as a writer. So I'm, there's a rhythm to writing that is a part of the craft of writing, of getting up and, you know, scheduling time to write, making sure I'm reading, making sure I'm listening to other uh, reading good writing, making sure I'm listening to people write. You, I mean, listen to people give interviews. And so like, even before this, like every time I, before I do an interview, like I'm always listening to another interview. So I just listened mm. to Kiese talk with um, Tracy at the Stacks podcast on book bands. Mm. Um, but then also he was talking to another sister that Lit Hub posted, you know, and, and so I'm listening to them and trying to think how they, how they doing things or like Mateo is score poor, like listening to Mateo uh, stuff and what he doing. And so then, you know, once, once it's time for me to show up in the world, they see me, they hear me. And it's like, yo, you one of us. Like, I see it, like you got it. And like, I feel like as a writer, you know, so much of shouting in the fire, so much of what I'm doing right now is a reflection of the many ways. So many people who I respect and love told me like, yo, you got it. We see you. It's kind of like when you're playing and that bass player gives you the nod, right? Or the MD gives you the look. And you're like, I'm in. I I, I had the respect of the band. Is that kind of feeling for you? No. No, 100. Yeah, 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 yeah. 100. Because you got to think, bro, like mm. like so many of these people are like at, at, at if not at the top, yeah. like they're near the top. Yeah. For me, they the top. Like they, yeah, they, yeah. They, 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 they the top. But any kind of, you know, politics of like who gets to be named what or whatever. Like, you know, people can have different opinions about that, about them, you know, whether they're the top or not, but like they're the top. And to to hear from people at the top, you know, that that like, yo, you 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 good at what you do mm. is like yeah, totally. enlivening and in, and encouraging. But it's more than that, bro. Like there ain't nothing like when you're playing with a band and y'all actually friends. <laughs> That's different. That is 100%. It's different when you sitting in somewhere yeah. and y'all got to work out the kinks yep. and get to yep. know one another. Yep. Or even when you're going somewhere and you're new and you're working it out yep. and things like that. But like, there's nothing like when y'all are actually friends yeah. and y'all share mutual love for the art of like drumming and talking about like, yo, like this new HHX just came out. I can't afford it, but I'm going to go on eBay <laughs> And looking looking for crack symbols yeah. and get the broken HHX. Yeah. And that thing still sound the same. It still sound good, but it got a little crack in it. So it got a little crackiness to it. But then I could put that joint over here on the left and that joint turn into a stack, you know, right. things yes. like that. Or yes. I can like I can like move and maneuver, yeah. you know, and things like that. And you just start talking about like stuff about the drum, the intricacies of the drum, like what heads you using, yeah. what, what snare you using, how high it is, where you yeah. positioning this, uh. like, like what you, what you listening to, who you listening to. And you just like building, 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 like there's no better feeling. And I feel like right now, you know, with these voices to, to move that metaphor to writing. Yeah. It's nothing like not only their affirmation, but their friendship, like their, 
their friendship keeps me grounded in ways that other people's affirmation, lack of affirmation almost mm. destroyed me. Mm. I mean, I almost was emotionally destroyed from writing, from speaking up, from being who I am, from changing. But it was their love and my wife and my other friends, just them continually, literally like believing me and loving me and friending me into what I could become. All right. So let's talk about that just for a few minutes. But before we do that, let's just give people the crash course intro to you as far as why you're even on yeah. the show. Yeah, you talk wrote, about, you, yeah, say the book. Right. Yeah, All right. So I want to make sure I'm yeah, not, yeah, if yeah, I miss yeah, anything, yeah, let yeah, me cool. know. And I'm going to put a no, preface good, in, in the intro of breaking down some of these drum terms because I don't want to ruin our flow right now, but I'll, I'll oh, send the good. audience in the intro. Good, so you wrote no, a book, Shouting in the Fire, an American Epistle by, by you, Dante Stewart. I'm about a little over halfway done. You know, my wife's expecting in six weeks with baby number two. So I'm a little busy on my end. Congrats, bro. Thank you. But I really have enjoyed the book and it's sounds like so far in the book, it's really your, it's a mix of your story with a commentary on like the evangelical church and race relations kind of interwoven together of how you kind of were part of, you grew up in the black church, then you transitioned over to the white church. And now you're kind of away from that back into the black church. Is that kind of like, like, yeah, like yeah, the yeah, flow? yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So, well, honey, but yeah. like, I wouldn't even say like, I wouldn't even say like my book is necessarily on like race relations or even mm. like on evangelicalism. Okay. Um, Maybe that's one way to read my book. Okay. Um, but so much of even as I'm weaving that story of like, you know, like as I'm weaving a story of my experience in white churches. Yeah. I mean, so much of that experience is still very much black and centered on us. Mm. It's not necessarily answering questions. I'm just right. weaving the narrative creatively and talking about their failure, my failure, what it did to me, what it did to us. But then also there's there's a blackness that's woven within that hovers around the text like that's very much concerned, not with like teaching white people. Right. But like like walking like like just saying to black people like, yo, I see you. This is what we go through. Like and this is how we kind of get free. And yeah. so that probably is the best part. Best way to understand the book It's more of a story of like finding wholeness and liberation and freedom from this space and back among our literature, our books, our lives, our play, what the worlds we created, then simply giving a commentary on race, white evangelicalism and white supremacy. Right. You're, you're, that's, you're totally correct. Yes. And you make that point in the book several times. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm letting the, the angle I'm coming at this from is not for white folks to read and understand. I mean, if you do that, that's great, but that is, that is not, is not, mm. that isn't the point of the book that I'm writing. And I really, honestly, I've really enjoyed the book. I've been, some of the, your stories are just really moving and I'm just like, wow, this is just so helpful for me. Um, even though I know the book isn't aimed at someone like myself, it's just, it's just a very good read. Talk about, you mentioned a couple minutes ago that, that, that you were, um, almost emotionally destroyed before you kind of mm. found 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 this new group of people that, that that you call your family, I guess in a way. What yeah, yeah. who is this group? Like, how does that tie into maybe the book or or your own? Journey? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, like first and foremost is my wife, my partner, my spouse, my 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 best friend. Mm. So much of like who I am is a reflection of her. It's a reflection mm. of how she didn't give up on me. How she. Mm. Like, let me know that even like the things that were said to me or the opportunities that was taken away from me um, in white spaces, like she she kept me grounded. But she also like kept me straight too. like she kept it a hundred with me. Like she wasn't she wasn't sugarcoating who I had become. Like she mm. was letting me know this is who you are. 
and you and you doing this and you doing and you, and you giving them power to do it you know and like it been some times where it was like you know it's your fault like and i had mm. to deal with that like so much of this is your fault you know and so we had to like work through that but then i mean she 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 encouraged me in so many ways and shaped me in so many ways that that i that 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 made me believe you know that not giving up on myself was more important than being destroyed by what others didn't see in me. Hmm. And so when I, I'll never forget this one conversation where I was at, um, we, we was at lunch in Jason's deli with the white pastor of the church that I was formerly at, that we were formerly yeah. at. And he was like, yo, like we can't bring you on staff. So they're supposed to bring me on paid staff. And he was like, yo, we can't bring you on staff. You know, and therefore, like, yo, race becoming too much in your life. You're talking too much about race, you know, and 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 I mean, that destroyed me, bro, because like, you know, I was really trying. I was reading. I was preaching. I was teaching. I was trying to be gracious with them. Right. You know, and they were I mean, he, I mean, this same person would literally, you know, ask me, how is Donald Trump racist? Like, mm. like to my face. And, and, and the audacity of this is that I took him to our restaurant. Doggone uh, Big Mama soul food restaurant because I loved it. I took him there and he got the audacity inside of that restaurant to ask me how is Donald Trump racist, like and to say that like to and to tell me to believe better about racist white folk in his congregation. Mm. It's just the audacity of that whiteness and that destroy that betrayal, bro. Yeah, um, you know, destroyed so much in me in a sense of like it it was disorienting, it was disillusioning. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera, et cetera. But stronger than that, you know, was like my wife's belief that I actually could mature and get better. Um, and 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 she she pushed me in so many different ways. Also, my friend Nefertiti, like who was vocal in that space in the same ways I was vocal. Um, and in many ways, she was erased and silenced in in that space as a black woman. Hmm. And I mean, we fought together like to, to, to try and see them get better. And it was her who continued to like, you know, she was like my right hand, like, 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 like we was like side equal sidekicks. Like we mm. was going in, we was, we was, we was, I mean, we was on Facebook, we was in meetings. <laughs> I mean, like literally going in, to, like bringing in like all of our stuff, tr just trying to simply prove that we are human and show them like, yo, y'all wrong, mm. you know? And so she would be one of that story. But then also Michaela in the book, yeah. You know, Michaela Thomas, how Michaela, you know, she would, you know, like some of the names changed in the book, but some of them I kept the same based on the story. Um, but like Michaela, like if it wasn't for her, you know, saying like, yo, Stu, you don't got a damn thing off of black people. Like I would not have changed. Mm. But then also when I think about so many of these black folk today, you know, first in my church, uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church, just my church and how they support me and love me mm. and help me grow. But then all these black writers like, you know, Mateo, Maurice, Robert, Disha, Kiese, Imani, Eddie Glaude, like Eddie, all, all, like all them, like, like we all legitimate friends, Jason, mm. like we all legitimate friends. Like they're my friends, like, like whoever your friends is yeah. and how you feel and how, just how normal that is. Yeah, yeah. Like that's just how normal our friendships are. And in this professional writer world. Right. That's just so important yeah. to have people who done been where you at, yeah. that, that you're trying to go there, who can put you on game, but who can also love you when you're feeling insecure mm. and get you straight, you know, when you feel when you're doing too much. 
um, and whatnot. So yeah, was this the is this the same church that you mentioned in your story where you were finally given the chance to preach a sermon and you spent all this time oh, prepping yeah. for it? Is is, is that yep. the same church you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's the same one, the white church. Yes, uh, the Crawford white church. Avenue Baptist right. Church. Okay, so yeah. so you know you mentioned this in the book, and I. You, it's up to you as far as how much you want to talk about this, but yeah. it sounds like what you're saying is you really, at one point in your life, were like, I think we can we can bring these people along to see the light, right? In a way of like, mm. hey, racism is still a thing. Donald Trump is problematic, and you were fully in that world to hopefully try and carve a better part uh, path forward mm. in that world, only to be told at at your location, right at at that soul food spot by the pastor that that you trusted mm. and thought you're making progress with. Hey, Dante, it's done. Trump really racist and you're like wait no, what? what I mean how did that had to feel just like all this work for nothing is that, is that how no, it yeah, felt yeah, to you yeah, yeah, yeah of course like you yeah. like bro you gotta realize bro like sound like my daughter oh do your thing man are you good dang this video too ain't it it is <laughs> <laughs> oh, you good? You good? Y'all, right? you don't gotta edit that out. Nah, okay. you don't gotta edit that okay. out. You don't gotta edit that out. Y'all, I like, I like my I, conversations, man. Okay, I'm I'm recording, and my daughter's up, my daughter's asleep upstairs. So okay, yeah, no that, that's why I paused <laughs> no right there. Uh, but y'all, but think about like, like legit, like bro, like you, you got to think about like, yo, we putting hours and hours and hours in on reading. We putting money in reading mm. and buying books. You know, when they when they say like, yo, we want to be a more reconciled church. We want to we, we want to be an inclusive. Like, they ain't even use that language of inclusion. Right. But like like we want to be a multi-ethnic church. That's that was the language. You uh-huh. know, we want to be a multi-ethnic church. Um, but oftentimes that multi-ethnicity uh, never went to language of multiracial. Mm. Um, and the reason why they stayed away from that language, why they stay stay with ethnicity rather than race. And I mean, they fought this. Like this, the church came out with a document. I'll never forget this. Mm. The church came out with a document, and me and Monet, uh, uh, me and Neff, Neff, um, boycotted the document. Um, <laughs> this was this was our little uh, our little Black Panther moment, and it, I loved it. <laughs> I, I mean, we was, bro. I mean, we was mm. we was we was on it. Like mm. we was on it, and I was so happy about that. Mm. It, but but they uh, brought us together. And they said, you know, we gonna we as a church gonna make a document on a document statement on race, you know, and we wanna make a document statement. But there was another black conservative elder um, who was conservative, a black black conservative elder uh, in that space, who no matter what we said, no matter what we did, they still listened to him, and and he ended up subverting every type of progressive idea, thought, mm. book, whatever. Anything that was substantial mm. beyond the evangelical or white or conservative framework I'm thinking about race yeah. was sidelined or, yeah. or subverted. Um, and they want to make that statement. And then me and Neff was like, hell no, nah, we ain't about to do that. Like mm. we ain't even, we ain't coming to none of the meetings. We ain't coming to none of the things because y'all don't respect us and y'all don't actually listen. And so inside of that space, bro, like we're doing all this work, all this work, all this work. You know, and 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 nothing like we get a minimal uh, response in the process. And you got to think, bro, like you, we give we give white people our families, bro. We give them our futures. We give them our money. Mm-hmm. And this money, damn money is going to go build a, a white project. Like mm-hmm. think about our ties, 
are in reinforcing their power. Mm. And then they turn around on us and tell us that we are the ones that's wrong and bad and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 it's disorienting and and it's 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 full of betrayal and you know, that burns no matter where you at, whether it's in the context of race, whether it's in the context of your friend, yeah. whatever context you're doing that in, I mean, that's going to burn. But I think for me and for us, you know, like that burn set something off in me that was 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 necessary in a sense. Like, I don't ever want to say white violence is necessary, mm. but I had become a, you know, weapon in that space, mm. you know, and until I got rejected in that space, I didn't really reinvent and reorient myself to us. Mm. But ever since that happened, bro, like I have bought so many books. Mm. I have done so much reading. Mm. I have changed in so many ways because I made a promise to myself back in that moment that I would never, ever, ever in my life become that person ever again. Mm. Hmm. It's interesting you say all this because while our stories are very different for a lot of different reasons, there is some, a little bit of overlap in like a Venn diagram way of, you know, I lost my faith community uh, a little over, a little less than a year ago um, over just my my growing positions on some of these topics, you know, and I have no friends mm-hmm. now. They, they're all gone. <laughs> and I, 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 on, on one sense, on, on one way, I understand that feeling of betrayal. And it also spurred me to read a shit ton of books. And the more mm-hmm. I'm reading, the more I'm like, oh my God, I've been taught American mythology, not American history. Like, what the mm-hmm. hell do I do with this? You know, um, one thing I wanted to comment on, and I want to get maybe your thoughts is I real what I, how I've been thinking about it as I've been learning and trying even though I'm still early on to be to decolonize myself, right? Is um I've heard I found that when churches talk about multiracial or even multi-ethnic, some a lot of times if they're white dominant, what they mean is you can we will allow you to assimilate into our already established culture. So sure, mm-hmm. we can have a black person on the stage as long as you're assimilating mm-hmm. to to how we're doing it. No, 100%. Is that is that yeah. kind of what is that kind of what you found as well? Same kind of idea? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because because like for me in the book, bro, like to utilize the 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 language of wages, it was it was transaction. You know, there was always a price there to pay. There was always a cost. Mm. And that price was a simulation, mm. you know, and 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 self-disrespect, you know, it was, mm. it was distancing from blackness um, and and embrace of whiteness mm. that gave me the power, the little bit of power that I did have in that space um, and the privilege that I did have in that space and the resources that I had in that space. Mm. You know, so all of it worked to 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 do that um you know and, and and you know so much about whiteness and white supremacy and racism is about the ways in which white people want those who are not white or not in their group to assimilate to their dominant culture and in dominant ways of thinking right um and and how they have believed themselves to be the norm um right. and everybody else is like contextual or cultured or whatever sophisticated way they, they say that whiteness is center and normal. Um, right. So assimilation is about that. It's also about power. 
Mm. You know, if you assimilate into this space, is you, you you don't you you're not really necessarily thinking about the power dynamics. Mm. You know, the decisions that these other people uh, can make on your life or make like not like 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 the negative experiences like th- that they can do not just like the positive ways that they can shape you or the active that probably the better way to say is as active and passive that's what i mean mm-hmm. um the the active ways people shape your lives but also the passive ways that decisions shape your life as well so assimilation is not just about you know identity you know and power um but it's also about the 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 kind of future that 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 we want to build and want in the world assimilation you know wants a future you know those who 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 you know take it, don't take into account how powerful assimilation is at work in their own understanding you know yeah. they want a future that is white that is male that is straight that is conservative and they have have linked it uh to what god desires you know this, this whole totally. problem with the language of original sin Totally. You know that range their, their their original that language of original sin is always in some sense like the purity that people imagine getting back to mm-hmm. is woven and diseased by whiteness. Mm-hmm. And so the ways in which white people have thought about the ideal human, the ideal sexuality, the ideal gender, the ideal resources, etc., the ideal structure of society. Um, and so assimilation, you know, that's kind of how I would think about assimilation, in, especially in that space and just how powerful it was at work. But then also when I started to read Baldwin and Morrison mm-hmm. and Katie Cannon and Emily Towns, um, M. Sean mm-hmm. Copeland and, and Tony Cape and Barton, all just in the black literary tradition and black religious tradition, I started to realize that, yo, we didn't have to assimilate to make ourselves powerful. Uh, mm-hmm. Tony Morrison had this line you know, in, in paradise where she says, you know, that Jesus had been free from the grips of white religion and, 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 and let the kids know that they did not have to prove or purchase their humanity. Mm. All they, they already had it. All they need to do was display it. Mm. And what I realized that assimilation wants us to prove, wants us to work, wants us yeah. to uh, 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 buy our humanity, our liberation, our healing, our wholeness, but we don't have to do that. And when I gave that up, I started to realize like, yo, it was it was impossible for me to stay in that space because that space, you know, didn't see me or others, black women, black gay people yeah. uh, as fully human and worth loving and embracing in ways that would change the constructions of how we were living together. Yeah, I think that's really well put. It's super wise and it's very clear because I think a lot of people in my spaces, right, who are maybe new to this deconstruction, air quote, kind of scenario, don't realize how linked it is to white supremacy culture and how at some point you're going to start realizing like, oh, I'm seeing a common thread throughout all of this. And even like, you know, it hit me like a while ago. I'm like, huh, I've never heard of white theology, but I have heard of black theology. That's interesting because mm-hmm. theology is just it just assumes like, oh, it's reformed Calvinism essentially. That that that's good theology. Mm-hmm. And as I've been dipping my toe, and I emphasize dipping, I'm still new, mm-hmm. but into James Cone and you know, reading black theology and black power and the cross and lynching tree, I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh my God. How, after 33 years of being in the evangelical institution, did I never even be exposed to someone like this? But as I read his works, I go, I understand why. Because he's really critiquing the system. Like, like, what do you mean? Of course you're not going to hear. I mean, of course, because Cone is addressing the heart of of white religion. 
Yeah. And it is not God, but it is whiteness, you mm. know, or as Christina Cleveland would say, the white male God. Mm. You know, so, so, wow. it's good. you know, you, 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 you wouldn't hear about a James Cone because James Cone revealed things about white people that white people want to run from. Mm. Like there, this is why there's a connection between anti-literacy laws um, in, in, in early America. Um, and then even the, 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 the campaign to destroy spaces of black education in reconstruction, post-reconstruction, uh, in re- post-Civil War reconstruction in America. Mm. Um, the, the, the delegitimacy of black education uh, leading up to Brown versus Board of Education, uh, which was preceded by other smaller legal cases in various places in the country. Um, and all the way to today, uh, where in seminaries, the curriculum is still very much white. But then you also have schools today, and I'm actually speaking at a uh, local school board session on March, March the 8th about this. Uh, they're banning our black books. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the common denominator uh, is blackness. Mm. Um, so they want to erase what they do not want to deal with, mm. what they don't want to see. And how messed up does people mind have to be? And I, I thought Kiese Layman put this perfectly Mm. how much do you have to hate your children and yourself to want to not have them exposed to our work Mm. like you hate you really do hate your children that you want to keep them from tony morrison Mm. you really don't are concerned about the world they live in when you want to keep them uh from 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 the bluest eye or beloved or or you want to keep them from george johnson's all boys aren't blue and so like there's a through line between all of this. And this is this is this is why you're not going to read James Cone or even if you do read James Cone, even in let's say even in progressive spaces. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a person that's like, you know, both I'm not a both sizer. Um, mm. because I feel like I feel like, you know, it just doesn't tell the truth, but but like I I, I do understand whiteness very well. Mm. Um and whether whiteness has a has a rainbow flag or whether it has a Trump flag, it's still white. Um, and, mm. and, and that whiteness is the common denominator in how we experience one another. Um, and so even when you are in those spaces, yeah. people can hear of one black person and that's just the extent of how they explore us. When you're looking at, say, say you're in this progressive space and you're looking at progressive theology, you hear Marcus Borg, you hear Phyllis Tribble, you hear of um, you hear of uh, Stanley Hauerwas, you hear of, um, let's see, I'm, I'm just trying to go here. You, I mean, you're hearing of Paul Tillich, you're hearing of um, just all these people. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a Barbara Brown Taylor, you hear Barbara Brown Taylor, Richard Rohr. Yeah. Um, and you hear these, you have a plethora of names of white people who feed what you're trying to become. But then when it comes to us, it's like, James Cone only. Right. And it's like James Cone is incredible. And you need to have James Cone a part of your list. Mm. You need to be reading everything that he has written because he is worthy of it. Mm-hmm. He's worthy of that honor. Yeah. But then people not reading Katie Cannon. Mm. Like people have never seen a picture of Katie Cannon. Right. Like this is Katie Cannon really right here on my wall. Mm. Katie Cannon sit on my wall. James Cone, Katie Cannon, Tony Morrison, James Baldwin sit on my wall looking over me because I want to see, I, I want to be reminded mm. of the ways in which black liberation theology and womanist theology and black literature 
between Baldwin and Morris and the work that they did continues to look over what I'm doing and almost in an icon way, pray over me mm. that I don't ever forget it. Mm. But that's not the only names. I mean, I literally in the theological world, like literally behind me, there's so many names of people, you know, beyond just simply James, reducing us to whatever James Cone wrote, particularly the cross and an ancient tree uh, or black theology and black power. Now you name those books, but I'm not saying just simply you. Right. I'm just right. saying this is mostly what white people get. It's like black theology, black power. But it's like, yo, like, like, he got said I wasn't going to tell nobody. I mean, there's a whole collection of essays, critical essays by Dwight Hopkins on his work. You got M. Sean Copeland. You got Kelly Brown Douglas. You got yeah. Willow Gaffney. You got Cheryl Townsend Gilch. You got Cheryl Kirk Bunnigan. You have Musa Dubay. You have you have Mitzi Smith. I mean, you 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 have just this whole cohort of black women and men, uh, gay and straight, who have you know who are in multitudes of traditions that can shape what people think about the world and this is the trouble with whiteness bro you know you know the trouble with whiteness is that you know they only like whiteness only sees us as only being capable of being one thing but seeing white people as being capable of being infinite things and being worth exploring and so that's kind of all i say on that i don't even know where we was at but like hey man this is why i have the podcast for these kinds of conversations so I'm going to be honest with you. Can I be honest with you? Just straight up honest no, with you. No, keep it a book. Yeah. I think you're totally right. And I've thought about this in my own life, how I know like, you know, two or three black authors, right? Or black theologians, um, more modern ones now, really, you know, uh, and how I know, uh, and how I know so many white theologians and how I see them mm -hmm. diverse of holding different perspectives, but then in my mind, I'll categorize, oh, all black people must think like James Cone, right? Like, I, you're, you're so accurate in what you're saying. I think about it, let's bring it back to drumming for a second, because that, that, that's like a common world, right? If I grew up in the rock world, and I did not grow up like in, in the world of jazz, I'd be like, yeah, Buddy Rich, great jazz drummer, and that's yeah, all jazz it. drummers, versus like, oh, but dude, rock, it. you got this guy, and this guy, and his style is here, and this guy yeah, is separate. It. You know, it's the same kind of idea, right? Where it's like, mm. people, and I'll use myself, because it's it's my podcast, and I, I don't mind using myself as the example, you know, I think someone like myself is almost so so new to thinking this way right I, i've grown up so steeped in like you know rush limbaugh like homeschooled fundamentalist culture mm -hmm. and i'm like okay the world's so much bigger holy shit like what do i do and then like we're, i'm mm -hmm. trying to dip my toes in like all these different things and i'm just realizing every day more and more how i viewed the black community as like a monolith just you know it's just mm -hmm. one thing and they all think this way but i have different mm -hmm. categories for how i view white white people or, or the white culture and how like mm -hmm. It's just not fair, right? Like it's it's not mm. helpful, and mm -hmm. and I have to do better. Like I just have to if I'm going to be not someone funny. who wants to decolonize myself and be and not hopefully funny. be in these spaces where I'm hopefully one day maybe more welcome because I understand the culture. I want to support it, be a part of it. You know, yeah. that's no, how I see it. No, no, one hundred, bro. And I think and I think it's a lifelong endeavor, bro. Like, yeah, it's a lifelong. It's literally a lifelong endeavor. Yeah. Tony Caveman Barr has the uh, book, The Salt Eaters, and there's that line in The Salt Eaters. You sure you want to be well? You know, because mm. healing and wholeness is no trifling matter. Mm. And I think and I yeah. think the, the the to think about that now in the context of this of this book. Yeah. You know, she is 
she is um, active. The, the main character is active in justice movements. And, you know, she, she, she's get, she got broken in the process. A lot of things happen. She's broken in the process, you know, and, and, and she's now finds herself in this infirm, infirmary, uh, psych ward, um, where she's trying to find healing. Yeah. And, you know, that statement, you know, are you sure you want to be well? Because mm. healing and wholeness ain't no trifle in the matter. And I think yeah, yeah. if I look at the ways and pe- ways in which people are trying to reimagine their faith, yeah, the same thing that destroyed us in the past, oftentimes is the same thing that destroy us in the present. Mm. And that's, it's like quick answers, easy process, one thing, or what Henry Nowen calls the danger of the final solution. So like in, in reaching out, uh, the, the three movements of the spiritual life, I tell everybody they got to read that book. It's just a good book to keep us spiritually grounded. Hmm. Um, when, when now one talks about the danger uh, of the final solution. Um, and, and what he said is that, that once I get this thing, then finally everything's going to work out. So it's almost like people say, you know, once I read James Cone, then finally things going to get better. Or once you can convince white people about voting rights, then finally things going to get better. Or once you, you know, tell people to do differently, then finally things going to get better. And so still believing in the danger of the final solution when in actuality, what we need to be doing is reorienting and reworking and reinventing ourselves. Uh, We need to take on new rhythms. We need to take on Mm. new ideologies. We need to you know, give up, you know, those easy old ways of understanding the world and be like, you know, reading books, you know, won't, won't fully and finally teach me or give me the final answer, but they do help me see the world differently. And I need to explore as many lives and worlds as possible. And so for me, when I was coming out of that space, I mean, I wanted to read everything black people wrote. Mm. I, because I knew I needed us. But then I started to realize like, dang, I'm reading a lot of black men, a lot of straight black men. Right. So then I'm like, okay, I need to broaden, I need to broaden that voice. And so I started reading black women. And I'm like, dang, I ain't reading nobody who black and gay, mm-hmm. you know, black LGBTQ. Mm. And I started reading differently. And I was like, dang, man, I ain't reading nobody who black and trans. Mm. You know, so I got Deshaun book, The Belly of the Beast. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm working at it. I'm working at it over and over and over again. And it's a lifelong endeavor. Yeah. I'm not looking back at all those books and all those relationships and, and endeavors and saying like, okay, finally I done made it. I'm here. It's just normal for me to yeah. try and live that way. Yeah. Like it's the norm, yeah. you know, and it's, and that's why it's hard. When, you know, it's hard when people often talk about, you know, like, like, what are, what are we supposed to do? What do we need to do? What do we need to do? Yeah. And for me, I want to take the miracle and make it normal. It's mm, good. You know, I want to, I want to take the, the mir- what people would deem a miracle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you thought differently. You change. Yeah. I mean, yeah, true. But I want to make what people deem to be miraculous ordinary. Hmm. Well, on that note, the book is Shouting in the Fire, an American Epistle. It's a great read. I recommend it to people who are out there. And Dante, you know, I feel like you and I could go for a lot longer talking about all kinds of stuff. So I appreciate you making the time that you did. And if it ever works out again in the future, you got, you have a spot here whenever you want to talk about something new. Because um, really, just really um, things that I'll have to meditate on, frankly, and just think about our conversation. I might even re-listen to it again. I, I don't really do that that often with podcasts because, you know, once you do it, you mm-hmm. do it. But there's just a lot of mm-hmm. things that you said that I go, yeah, I got to really sit on this and and really 
let it soak into my bones of like the direction that even we as what we call the new evangelicals want to head in. Because I do agree mm-hmm. with you, you know, I find it difficult that the conservative progressive binary isn't the right language for where we're trying to head. Like progressive has its own problems too. Like you said, you can you can have mm-hmm. a, a pride flag and still be white centered. That is not where we want to head long term. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, I appreciate you, man. Is there a pe- uh, where can people find you? Are, are you online? Are you on Twitter, Instagram, plug yeah. away? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on all holiday above. Um, you can visit my website, DanteCStewart.com, which I'm updating. Um, I'm, I'm just terrible at, at that. I'm better at Instagram and, and Twitter, um, which is at Stuart Dante C. Um, and you can find me on all of that. And to all the listeners, I usually do this at the every, end of every podcast. All the listeners want to thank you continually for tapping in to this podcast. You know, we're in a pandemic and so... Mm-hmm. Building a community is just so important. Sustaining that is so yeah. important. And whatever we can do digitally and virtually, yeah. uh, it matters for, for for what we're trying to accomplish or what we're trying to become. So yeah. thank you to you. Thank you. We'll do it again soon. Most of us have clothes that we've loved for years, maybe even decades. But it's harder than ever to find clothes that will stand the test of time. If you're looking for more pieces designed to last, you can't go wrong with American Giant. From hoodies and t-shirts to denim and more, they've got everything you need to build a wardrobe that you'll be proud of for years to come. All American Giant clothing is created with a commitment to doing things better. From the materials they use down to the last stitch in every piece. And everything is made right here in America in partnership with people and communities because keeping things local ensures the kind of quality you'll appreciate as soon as you receive your order. Discover the American Giant difference today. Shop wardrobe essentials that last a lifetime at American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code LT23 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code LT23. When it comes to work, communication is key, even if you don't have a writing job. Sounding unconfident, indecisive, or passive-aggressive can hold you back professionally and hurt your team's productivity. Grammarly Premium's advanced tone suggestions make sure you're always sending the right message. Sound clear and confident in your writing and automatically replace negative-leaning language with solution-focused alternatives. With Grammarly's help, you can build stronger relationships at work, be constructive in the face of challenges, and help your team get things done. Grammarly works where you do, so your team's projects get done before the deadline. And with features like comprehensive spelling, grammar, and clarity-focused sentence rewrites, Grammarly helps keep your writing efficient and mistake-free. The right tone can move any project forward. Get it just right with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to sign up for free. Then get 20% off when you upgrade to premium. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash podcast.